Welcome to Wassa Community Church. I'm going to read for you just a, a quick verse here, which is Acts 4, verse 12, and then we will get into things. This is talking about Jesus, and it says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So God, I thank you again. Ah for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for all that you do. And I just pray that as I go through your word today, that it would be understood in the name of Jesus, that your truths would be remembered in the name of Jesus. And if I say anything wrong or untrue, I just pray that that would not be believed in the name of Jesus. I do not want to lead your sheep astray, Jesus. I want them to know your truths and to believe your truths. And so I just pray that that would be what happens during this time in the name of Jesus. Be at work in all of our hearts in the name of Jesus and give us all understanding of your mighty, true word, Jesus. I pray this all in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. I'm not really a fast reader, so when I read my Bible, I usually do read it a chapter at a time. I've rarely read an entire book in one sitting, unless it's been, you know, Jude or Philemon or a second or third John, right? But when I read even the books that are a little longer in one sitting on the occasions that I have done so, I found it so rewarding and I, and I really want to do it more because you see the entire theme from start to finish play out, right? I, I think of the New Testament letters and, and the thing is, they are letters, right? When you receive a letter from someone, I mean, maybe you put it down and you forget about it for a little bit, but when you actually sit down to read it, you don't go, okay, I'll read these paragraphs today and these ones tomorrow and these maybe I'll read them the next day. No, you read the entire thing, right? I mean, sure, maybe someone out there, maybe there is someone who breaks it up uh, per day, but uh, normally, even if it is a bit longer, people will read the entire letter that they've received all at once. So it makes sense because that's what they originally did with these New Testament letters that are books of the Bible, right? They're letters. They were for you to read all at once. And when you do that, you really see the entire thought without just focusing on a few different things, right? It's easier when you read it all in one sitting to remember, oh yeah, that's why he said this. The, this was his main thought, which, which gives context to why he says this over here or, or this here, right? It helps you understand the, the big overarching theme, the big picture when you read it in one sitting. So I do really hope to do that more uh, with certain books. Uh, but one of the books that I have done that with, one of the books that I read in one sitting was Galatians, and I, and I loved it. It's basically Paul trying to get across, this is the true gospel, that you're, that you're not saved by works of the law, you don't need to be physically circumcised according to the law, your righteousness in the eyes of God does not come through the law, it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul, when he is concluding this letter, says this, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. 
It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. So these people, they want to boast in the flesh of the Galatians that they follow what the law says. But even they who want to boast because of their circumcision, they don't follow the law in other areas. Paul says, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he is 100% correct. Uh, in another letter, Paul quotes Jeremiah saying, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And I know you hear me talk about it all the time, but in his letter to the Ephesians, Paul says, for by grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So that no one may boast. Nobody has any reason to boast because they cannot save themselves. Their own works cannot save them. Following the law cannot save them because nobody can follow that law perfectly without making a mistake. Paul says himself at the end of Galatians 2.16, By works of the law, no one will be justified. No one's going to be justified by works of the law. Nobody. And you've heard me preach this so many times, but I'm not going to stop. You are not saved from hell because of your own good works. You are saved because you put your faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and God was gracious toward you for that. He gave you the forgiveness and the righteousness that you did not deserve because you were a sinner. The first part of Galatians 2.16 says, We know that a person is not justified, a person is not made righteous in the eyes of God by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. But with that, comes another important truth. And when I say important, I mean of utmost importance. Right? Of utmost importance. Forgiveness, okay, forgiveness and true righteousness are exclusive. Heaven is exclusive to those who come to Jesus. When I, go to, when I go home to Red Deer, you know, I could go south through Crow's Nest Pass, or I could go the north way through the pass that's between Radium and Bam. I could go either way. There are multiple ways to get from here to Red Deer. When I used to go visit um, Christina in Cranbrook, before we were married, uh, I could turn at Joseph Creek to go to where she lived, or I could go up a little further and, and turn on to Victoria. Or, if I really wanted to, I, I could have gone the really long way and turned across from the Prestige, right? There were multiple ways to get there. Even if there's 
a house with only one door and no windows, it is humanly possible to get enough people or to use the right equipment to knock down a wall and to go in that way. You know, why would you ever do that? I don't know. <laughs> but it is a possibility. It is humanly possible. There are, with great effort, multiple ways to get into a house with only one door and no windows. There are multiple ways that are possible. But no matter how great the effort, it is not humanly possible to get to heaven any other way than through Jesus Christ. Okay? There is no other way. When we get to Acts, Peter and John had healed a lame man, a man who couldn't walk, who was crippled, in the name of Jesus, and afterward they started preaching at a place called Solomon's Portico, but then soon they found themselves uh, arrested and before Annas, the high, the high priest, and uh, you know there were many others, uh, there were other rulers, scribes, Jewish leaders, and, and in Peter's defense before them, while the Spirit was giving him the words to say, he said, rulers of the people, and elders. If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you, who, Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. These, these words, guided by the Holy Spirit himself, give us the clear view of the Bible on the subject of universalism. It simply isn't true. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have salvation. If you don't have Jesus, you won't be saved from hell. You won't be allowed into heaven. You won't be forgiven of your sins, your transgressions, your, your wrongdoing. You won't be justified. You won't be made righteous in the eyes of God. There is salvation in no one else. Apart from Jesus, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, right? We must have Jesus. Going back to Paul's letter that he wrote to the Galatians, this is his greeting. Paul an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and, the, and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory 
forever and ever. Amen. So in that greeting, he already has a core part of the gospel. Jesus is referred to as Lord. That's important. He gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. And then near the start of his greeting, God raised Jesus from the dead. God raised him from the dead. So you have mentioned in this greeting of the Lord's death and resurrection, part of the gospel. Then Paul says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And he goes to talk about, he goes on to talk about his conversion, how Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. And that gives credibility to the gospel he preaches as being the only true gospel because it was the gospel given to him by Jesus Christ himself, right? Jesus Christ gave him that. So these Galatians that he's writing to are dealing with those who want to distort the gospel of Christ, specifically who want to say Jesus plus physical circumcision according to the law equals salvation, which Paul refutes Right? As we talked about earlier, neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Salvation is about being a new creation. You must be a new creation in Christ in order to receive salvation. And God, by grace through faith, transforms you into a new creation when, having repented of your sin, you believe in Jesus and what he's done for you, committing your life to follow him as Lord. You see, it's not about your works, right? It's not about your works at all. It's not about works of the law. It's about your heart, which is renewed by God when you truly place your faith in Christ who died for your sin and rose again. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. It's not faith in Jesus plus keeping the law that saves you. It's not faith in Jesus plus being physically circumcised that, that saves you. It's not. It's not faith in Jesus plus doing good deeds that saves you. There is no addition in this equation. There's not addition in this equation. It is faith in Jesus that saves you. No add-ons. God saves you. He redeems you. He makes you a new creation. He gives you the Holy Spirit because you have placed your faith. You have truly placed your faith in his son, Jesus. That's the gospel that Paul 
preached. The true gospel given to him by Jesus Christ. And so I want to direct you to some of Paul's words that we just read. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. Now think about that. Even if an angel from heaven, not an angel from hell or anything, right? Not, not necessarily a demon, right? An angel from heaven. Even if an angel from heaven comes to you and preaches a gospel that doesn't line up with the gospel Paul received from Christ, don't believe. Could you imagine that though? Like, an angel comes down and tells you a message of what to do and what to teach. Like, you would do that, right? Like, that's a big thing. An angel comes down and tells you this, right? That, that's got to say, oh, God wants me to do this. That must, right? Well, if it differs from the Word of God, from the Gospel given in the Bible, then don't do that. Don't listen. Don't teach those things. The Bible is now a closed book of which nothing can be added to it, and it has authority even over what an angel of God would tell you, right? That's what's being said here. This book, this book, this Bible has authority even over what is said by an angel of God, right? Believe the gospel of Jesus Christ before you even believe what an angel has to say. Now, certainly there have been religions based on what has been told to someone by an angel from heaven, or at least that appeared to be from heaven. Paul does mention that even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, so it is no surprise that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Right? It's not an unbiblical idea that demons can make themselves seem like angels of God. So even if an angel were to tell you there's another way to be saved. Don't believe him. Because that's not what the Bible teaches. Paul even says, if we, as in, if we, Paul and his people that were teaching them the gospel, if we should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let us be accursed. Right? Don't believe even us. Right? If the people, and think of it, if the people who originally preach the true gospel to you, especially if that were Paul, all of a sudden changed their minds and admitted that they were wrong and that you should believe this, this other thing that they, they've now decided is true, that would be convincing, right? Wouldn't that be convincing? You know, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I know I told you before that we were saved by grace, but, but I was wrong. You actually have to work your way to heaven, or, or in this instance, you know, the men actually do need to be physically circumcised, right? If that came from Paul, that would be convincing. Or even if you, uh, if it came from, from like a, a teacher that you truly respected, someone who even taught you the gospel truth, that would also be convincing. If they all of a sudden turned around and said something else, you know, I was wrong, it's actually this, that would be convincing. But still, don't believe it. Right? Don't believe man. Even Paul says, hey, you know what? This is not man's gospel. It was given to me by the Lord Jesus. 
right? So don't blindly trust what people tell you. Trust the word of God above man. There is only one true gospel. There is only one gospel truth. There is only one way to heaven. And that's the way that is being taught in the word of God. In fact, that way is the word of God. Because we have John chapter 1 that tells us, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the word. He was with God, and he actually was God. And without him, nothing was made. All things were made through him, and in him was life. Life. In him was life. And, wait, and, and, and later we get that man's own words on the subject of getting to heaven. His own words, Jesus' own words on the subject of being allowed in the heavenly presence of the Father. Because in John 14, he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Right? It's one thing to believe in God, but we also need to believe specifically in Jesus. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. That's the name at the back that we're going through today. Jesus as the way. Jesus, he's, he's not a way. Right? He's not just a way. Jesus says he is the way. Right? There is not more than one way. Jesus is the way to the Father's heavenly presence. Jesus is the way to heaven. There are many rooms there. And if your faith is in Christ, if you're trusting in the way, then there is a room for you that Jesus is preparing or has prepared for you. Which, it's interesting to think of Jesus as a homemaker, but, but he is. Right? He prepares your place for you, and he's the only one who can give you access. There is salvation in no one else. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. This world has a lot of ways it can try to convince you of other things, of other beliefs, of other ways, right? They sound so appetizing. Like, doesn't it sound great 
if it's true that everyone goes to heaven no matter what, right? That no matter what religion a person believes, that they're allowed into heaven. Sounds, sounds good. It does. Sometimes if we really want something to be true, we start to move to a position where we believe it. And that's not good, right? Our gospel, the gospel of Christ, that's offensive. Jesus is the only way. That's, that's not usually something people want to believe. If people are punished with an eternity in hell for not believing in Jesus, that's offensive. It doesn't please people to hear that. The gospel is offensive. But that does not make it untrue. We need to hold tightly to the word of God. No matter how good other things sound, we can't just believe them because they sound good. We can't just believe them because we want them to be true. We have to believe what really is true. We need to hold tightly to the word of God. No matter what claims come up. If it's not in line with the gospel of Christ, we cannot give ourselves over to it. The gospel is offensive, but that doesn't make it untrue. And even if it is, you know what's really offensive? You know what's really offensive? Having the one who was scourged, beaten, mocked, nailed to the cross and crucified, die so that you can be given salvation only for you to reject him. Only for you to stop listening to his truths. Only to follow what you think is true. He died for you. He died for you. Of course, if you don't believe that, what can I say, right? You know, I can't change your mind. The world has its arguments, arguments that are convincing. Even the argument that you have to follow the law of Moses and that you have to be circumcised in order to be saved can be convincing to the right people. But even if the one who taught you the gospel, who you look up to, tells you something that doesn't line up with Christ's gospel, with the gospel revealed to Paul, or even if an angel from heaven comes down to tell you something that doesn't line up with that gospel either. Don't believe it. Sometimes we don't even need that. Sometimes a random person we see on TV or online can be convincing in themselves. But if their teaching opposes the word of God, don't believe them. Please don't believe them. There is only one gospel. And there is only one way to heaven. You may say, well, what if God changes his mind and actually does send his own angel to tell us something different? What if he does make another way? Then to be honest, believing that is a very big risk to take about the God who says, for I, the Lord, do not change, 
and in whose word it's found that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Remember, this is God's word, right? In God's sovereignty and through the work of the Holy Spirit, what's written in the Bible is written because God wanted it written there. Right? He worked through the authors as they wrote it. When he, when it says, you know, when it says here, if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. That's not just Paul's warning, right? That's not just Paul's warning not to listen to a different gospel. That's the warning of a God who knows the future, who knew back then every single event that will ever happen, even beyond our lifetime. He knew the future, and he still wanted these words in here. So these words still apply for today. Any person or angel who presents a gospel contrary to the gospel of Christ is not to be trusted, at least in terms of that false gospel. This is God's word. He's not going to change his mind. What is written is not just written. For back then, it's written with today in mind as well. God is a bigger God than we think sometimes. He really is. To make sure you know God's word, right? Make sure you know his gospel. At Miller, my Bible college, I was presented with the practice of preaching the gospel to yourself every day. And, and that's such a good practice. It really is. Tell yourself what Jesus did for you. Praise Him. Tell yourself how you became saved. Praise Him. Tell yourself what that means for the rest of your days. And praise Him. And also be in the Word daily and be communing with God in prayer as well. Right? Pray for Him to teach you as you study the Word. Pray for Him to show you the meaning of the text. Because you need to know what's true and what's false so that you can discern when others are teaching what is true and when they're teaching you what is false. And also the Spirit that was given to you when you accepted Christ, the Holy Spirit, He is a good guide. He really is. So as Paul also tells the Galatians, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not grieve the Spirit by sinning and hurt our relationship with the Spirit. Let's improve our relationship with Him, right? Through prayer, through reading and studying of the Word of God, and through following what the Word says. And again, what's in there, God wanted in there, right? Even for such a time as this. For us to read and apply to our lives in this modern day. So take His Word seriously. Take his word seriously. There is only one gospel, and there is only one way to heaven, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Bow with me in prayer. Lord, your truth is your truth. And we should hold it as such. I know we think of better ways to do things. <laughs> I know we think of so many things, but... Lord, your truth is your truth. You have your reasons. I don't 
really know all of them. But help us hold to your truths, Jesus. Don't let us risk our entire eternities on the fact that, you know, maybe this is different. Maybe there is another way. Because if we do that, we'll see eventually that we're wrong. Don't let us do that. Help us to trust your word. Help us to trust fully in your word and in your gospel in the name of Jesus. Help us to know that there is only one way to be saved. There is only one way to you, Father. There is only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. That is the only way. Jesus is the only way. He is the way. He's not a way. He is the way. Help us to know that. Help us to preach us. Help us to preach that. Help us to say that to, to anyone who asks, anyone we meet, Lord. Let us not present anything false. Let us not present false ways to heaven. Let us present Jesus in the name of Jesus. Help us to do that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.